You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. For SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to the show. This week, of course, uh, MLB standings. We're going to take a look at that. Australians over in the US as per usual. We're going to go straight to the standings right from the get-go. But before we get there, of course, I must introduce my co-host here, the great JC, Justin Charles. Welcome, mate. Good morning, Fritter. How are you? I'm terrific, mate. Great uh, great week in baseball going on over there in MLB. Uh, not a lot has actually changed in the standings. I see Toronto still at, uh, at the top there in the east, but uh, take it away and what have we got in the standings there? Well, the interesting thing, Craig, is that uh, over over the week, so if we're only looking at week to week, not much is happening. But in between Saturday to Saturday, and I know you're just all over the baseball, oh. you're just watching baseball constantly. As you would know, things are happening daily in that. I was a little tongue-in-cheek, of course, because <laughs> I, I am right across it. This, it's been incredible. The, the arm wrestle that's going on there in, in the divisions, especially this Toronto and, Yankees, um, it's New fascinating. It, it is fascinating. It's it really fascinating. has been. It, it really is. And uh, so just going through the standings there in the uh, American League East, it's Toronto, New York, from Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Boston. And we're really seeing the, the, the divide right now. And we're seeing that magic number now having t- the elimination number of clubs. Some clubs are a, a week or two weeks out of elimination with still a month to go. So it's really starting to take shape. Um, The the wild card is certainly starting to take shape. But that... um that battle, as you said, between Toronto and, and the Yankees is just uh, is fascinating. You know that it's um, you know the Yankees still uh, you know nipping at the heels, but Toronto just seem to be rolling on. They've they're rolling on, and, and a, a Yankees move. They've now moved a Rod across to first base to see if he can have any sort of impact there. They definitely want to keep his bat in the lineup. They're just trying to find another position for him. And they moved across the first well, base. Mark DeShera looks terrible over there. Well, but Mark DeShera has gone down with injury, so that's probably why they're looking at that. And yeah. that, that, look, they're really missing. He's been a, a key element uh, in their offense this year. He's really been the, the spark plug. He's had the bounce back year. Yeah. He's on target to hit 40, 45 home runs. Uh, and all the RBIs, he's uh, you know, on track to have a, a you know, 120, 130 RBI season. Yeah. So you take him out. He's got a, a calf strain or something like that. Uh, having him out of the lineup has really affected them, um, and he's a real one of those uh, one of those veteran team guys that that bring the team together. So not having him in the lineup has has really affected them you know, from from what I can see. Absolutely, I'll just check on the Blue Jays because just we're talking about them now, the league leading that uh, in the East. There, they've gone twenty one and five just this month. Have the Toronto Blue Jays and Edwin. Encarnacion this week, uh, he ended a tw- was a twenty six game hitting, hitting streak. streak. Phenomenal, right. phenomenal performance in one game alone. He hit three home runs and nine RBIs. RBIs yeah, Have was, you knocked in awesome. nine in a game ever? And I know it's going to be a tough one to think about. I'm Look, t- I think in in little league, but uh, nine in a game is that's a just phenomenal. phenomenal. And yeah. and. 
it's it is it is phenomenal, and he had just been red hot. That said, that whole offense since and we we keep harking back to it, but um, since Price and uh, and Tulowitzki came over, yeah, they have just their confidence has just gone through the roof, uh, and they're they're just playing playoff baseball. What can yeah. I say? And and what's really interesting, they are playing really hard as well. They're not then the, every innings count. Yep. Um, they know they're in a pennant race right now, uh, and and they're playing like it. And their crowd, they're they're packing out the Rogers Stadium there every single game, yeah. creating this awesome playoff type atmosphere. Uh, it's just it's it's really I, I've just really enjoyed uh, how the the Blue Jays have gone about it. And of course, you know, Australia's own yep. Liam Hendricks is a part of that team also in a relief position but uh you know hopefully hopefully once he comes back after the season we could get Liam um on the show just because uh you know what he's experiencing right now and as you just mentioned they're heading definitely heading to the playoffs uh he's in for a for a great second half of his uh this season for sure Fritter and uh look couldn't be more excited. Having Aussies uh, in in the playoffs yeah. just adds that interest you know, sure for everyone does. around the country. So, uh, moving on to the Central, Kansas City, Minnesota, from Cleveland, the White Sox, and Detroit. Now, Kansas City are, are rolling on, and uh, they're just uh, doing exceptionally well. They've got the far by by a mile the best record in in the American League, the whole American League. Yep. Got pitching since Johnny Cueto has come over. Uh, from from the Reds uh, has really made an impact there, but also too being a veteran guy, uh, young, you know, some young Latino pitches there. Uh, so obviously ha- taking a leadership role there. Yep. Um, but the thing for or the story for me right now is the skid that Detroit's on right now. Yes. Um, I, like I'm a bit of a Detroit fan, and they, they did jump out with uh, they had Miguel Cabrera was when he out, came back was yeah. out for probably about six or eight weeks. He was out with a bad hamstring. Yeah, it was over. It was over. No, it was a calf. Calf. Sorry, yeah, it was a calf, and he I think he was out for eight weeks. Eight weeks, long yeah, time in, in in the middle of a season. When he first came back, he initially the first couple of games he had a real impact. That lineup was really good there for just a couple of days. Just seemed to have cooled off in the last week or so. And it looked like uh, Verlander started to hit for me through. He flirted with a no hitter, took a no hitter into the ninth, yeah, uh, and it was broken up by a, a slap ball down the the left field line. It caught chalk, yep. Uh, so it was, and and you just thought maybe they're going to get on a run, uh, and the wheels have really fallen off there, which is really disappointing because they're they're an exciting team for me. I love Absolutely. watching them, yeah. But since they traded Cespedes and and Price, yeah. Um, that really cut the heart out of their lineup. Yeah, and, changed the and, lineup. And Miggy, and Miggy out injured, uh, they really just fell in a heap. Changes so. the fabric. As soon as you it take sure what, what, just the one or two guys, oh, it really changes the fabric of your lineup, and, and they've sort of struggled since. Well, as we, I mean, we saw with the Yankees, they take out Teixeira, who's their MVP, their their uh, club MVP. Yeah. By a mile, you take him out of the lineup, and uh, and it makes a significant difference. So. We move to the West. Uh, Houston doing it very nicely from Texas. Uh, uh, the Angels, Seattle, and Oakland. Now, 
let's have a look at Texas. They were a mile off. Yes. Just uh, eight short weeks ago. Yes. Uh, and they were sort of vying for a for a wild card spot. Now they're actually vying for the pennant. They're really breathing down the neck of the Astros right now. Only two games back of Houston with, uh, what have we got to go about? 25? Is there around 25 games around, to yeah. go? On, under, on or it's under, under 30. Under 30 games to go in the season. And now, as you say... Um, Texas just the two games back from uh, Houston. They really are pushing for that, the uh, American League West title. That's right. And a key in for them was Derek Holland, uh, adding to their starting pitching. Yeah. Um, that has been really uh, uh, a wonderful addition for them. And, and uh, I think going into the stretch, I think that they're going to be tough. They're going to be breathing right down the neck of, of the Astros. So Sure. They're rolling on though. Um, and just on just the Angels on that division there that we're talking about, the American League West, uh, the Los Angeles Angels, of course. This week, Albert Pujols, the great Albert Pujols, tied Manny Ramirez on the home run list. He's slowly making his way up that ladder. He's in 14th place now, but tied with Manny Ramirez on 555 home runs, slowly making his way up the ladder. That's quite an achievement because Manny was arguably one of the greatest hitters ever. Absolutely, and uh, in that, probably longer in that DH role than than uh, than Albert. Yeah. So, um, yep. you know, doing very well. My uh, Oakland A's are uh, two weeks away from getting eliminated. You've got a few teams, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, Your Oakland A's. Billy Bean's come under some scrutiny over the last couple of weeks, just with the way he's sort of handling things. I wonder if he's. That's it. That's actually that's actually a really good topic, and one I think uh, for for a later show perhaps to discuss the philosophy of uh, the way that they bring up and, and nurture prospects. So they draft very well. They're they're drafting uh, of of young talent, and development of young talent is extraordinary. Their ability to pick the eyes out of opposition. Uh, farm systems and yep. to bring them into their system and, and, and develop them into major league players, good young major league players, and then sell them off Yeah, <laughs> is just phenomenal. But it It's just been seems... the Oakland way for a long time and it goes way back to Connie Mack who managed the club for 50 years in his suit and fedora hat from the from the dugout. But his, his management style was to produce players, make them look good, make them worth value – sell them off, bring in new players and start again. He, re- he never really seemed to to hold it all together to, to push for playoffs and push for World Series, but he was really good at managing them and making players better, selling them off and continuing that club. 50 years he managed that team. And how many World Series in that time? Probably... We uh, need to get clubby on that. How many How many uh, World Series it'll did be, uh, but, Connie Mack manage? Yeah. I, I reckon he might have, he might have managed... Because they've got a great history of, of World Series. They have, wins. they have. But we're talking, are we talking the 30s, Connie Mack? 30s around that era? Moving, just yeah, keep, mo- keep, moving keeping, the, keeping yep. the, uh, the, the momentum going in this uh, topic. Uh, so I think, how many how many seasons do the supporters or, or the, you know, the support, the fans of the Oakland A's yep. put up with almost... Almost, because it's it's like they build a team and they get the right mix. They play with this beautiful energy, and, yeah. and they really understand the, the team ethic. There's a real team vibe about Oakland. There's a, 
we'd, we'd love to. I'd love to talk to Travis Blackley about it too. He spent some time. Absolutely, there. And, spent and a, also, a lot of time. Um, uh, Grant Balfour. Grant Balfour. Yeah, love to love to talk to those guys and get their their opinion on on the vibe of that of the Oakland A's. But how many years do the do the Oakland fans have to put up with being almost? Yeah, because it seems like yeah. Billy Bean is just wonderful at getting developing a team to the point where where they nearly make it, yeah. and then the next year. He's just traded all the pieces away. Exactly. We saw, we saw last year he traded away a key element uh, in Cespedes to the to the offense, yep. and the offense fell in a heap. And uh, they traded for Samaja, Hamill, uh, and um, who else did they get in? And um, Lester. Yes. From from Boston, and that that was the trade for for Cespedes, and that was a lose lose because the offense hit the skids. They already had enough pitching. Uh, they were on a roll. The team was rolling, and uh, and and certainly they were, you know, playing great baseball. And then just moving those pieces around just ruined the dynamic. And I reckon that was probably, arguably, their best chance at a World Series for for a long time. Yeah. Now we see they've traded more elements away from that team. They take out Scott, um, Donaldson, uh, who's he will be the the American League Boy, MVP. Boy, he's been good, hasn't he? Isn't he been something? Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, wow. Career year. He will be the MVP of the uh, of the American League. Yep. Uh, so they traded him away, um, and they've traded a number of pieces away. You, I, I think you've got to start looking at or, or start questioning your process if you if you almost. Yeah. You know? And and what will happen next year? Perhaps the A's will win ninety or a hundred games. They'll make the playoffs. Get booted out, and then it starts all over again. And it starts all over again. Just on that club, he's done beautifully. Connie Mack managed five World Series winning titles with well, the Oakland go. A's back in 1910, 1911, 1913, 1929, and 1930. Clubby. Terrific, Excellent work, Clubby. Good on the spot. And so I guess what we need to see Billy Bean is to come up with like five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs to come up with five titles to match five Connie Mack, but we've got to give him 50 years to do it, though. So um, we're up to where we, we've done the... That's one every 10 years. How long has he been there now? He's one squat. Over, over 10 years. One squat now. Okay. Um, American League, we've done the American League West. We're moving on now to National League okay. East. Okay, how exciting, too, for uh, the National League. In the East, we've got the Mets doing beautifully out in front, oh leading, the, leading the Nationals. Uh, from Miami, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, and the Mets. Now, I'm just in love with the Mets at the moment. They're Tickled just pink with them, eh? Tickled just, pink. Just they're just going along wonderfully, and you've got to love those teams that have been down and, and they they turn it around. And yeah, um, just uh, their starting pitching has just been exceptional. Yeah, there's uh, a topic that we were talking about prior to uh, starting the show. We'll get to it um, soon enough. But uh, the, Matt Harvey's an interesting one that the the Mets need to juggle because having come off Tommy John surgery uh, is really going to be, uh, be uh, is really going to be important to them leading to this later part of the year. But because he's come off Tommy John, how they balance the amount of work that he does is interesting. That's right, and uh, and I guess uh, time will tell how that one will play out. So we've got uh, in the National League East, we've got. Uh, Atlanta and Philadelphia about one week away from getting eliminated from the competition there. Yep. Moving to the Central, St. Louis on target to win 107 games, doing it beautifully from Pittsburgh. Who ha Pittsburgh and the Cubbies are having extraordinary seasons. Yep. They'll probably win possibly 100 games. And with Pittsburgh, uh, Andrew McCutcheon won Player of the Month. Well, well actually, they won't win... 
they won't win 100 games. Well, the Pittsburgh might win 100 games. Chicago will win 90 plus. Yeah. And, uh, and they won't even finish second. So they're having wonderful seasons from Milwaukee and Cincinnati. Uh, and they've been eliminated. And I'll just uh, just before we skip that one, uh, the Cubs' Jake Arrieta throws the through the sixth no hitter of the season this week. Terrific performance versus the Dodgers, and the Dodgers amazingly were no hit twice in the month. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Jake Arrieta has got the nastiest, dirtiest stuff. In the majors right now, this yeah, year right. he's been phenomenal. His his uh, his fastball, you know, ninety six, ninety seven with dirty sink. Yeah, uh, his you know his slider is is down and in the dirt. Um, and just stick with the Cubs for a sec, but yeah, Jake Arrieta won uh, pitcher of the week for his outstanding no hitter there versus the Dodgers, and Chris Bryant won rookie of the month. He has been tearing it up. What an extraordinary season! I'd love to see what what uh, the home the home run record for the debut rookie season is... That's another one we could get clubby on, actually. What's the record home runs in a season? Because he's just having a... For a rookie? Yeah, he's I'm just I'm guessing it'll a, be Mark Maguire at around... I'm going to say... 28? I'm going to say Mark Maguire. I was going to say 26, but we were near enough. Pretty close. It'll be around that. Okay, moving to the West, we've got the Dodgers, San Francisco, San Diego, Arizona, and Colorado. Dodgers uh, pulling away from San Francisco. They're they're on a bit of a skid at the moment. They've lost uh, they've uh, lost about six or seven of the last ten. Yep, and uh, they've uh, they've really hit the skid. So and Clayton Kershaw set a season high mark of two hundred and fifty one strikeouts. Phenomenal performance. Over two hundred strikeouts is a real benchmark where his uh, career set a career mark at 251. Look, and the Dodgers swept San Francisco. They were key games there, and I think that might have just about knocked the stuffing out of San Francisco. But they certainly had the belief. We had Bochy uh, say that if we can pick up one game on them every week, there's six yep. weeks to the end of the season, so if we can pick up a game a week, and then in the next series that they've got at home against them, that um, they're a chance to overhaul them. So, And last one, uh, last one I got here for the Dodgers, of course, the great man, the doyen, Vin Scully has re-signed and he's coming back for a 67th season of broadcasting Dodgers baseball. Think about it. 67 years by himself in that commentary booth. Phenomenal performance. Vin Scully going around again. So if he lives till next year, he'll be uh, calling the Dodgers games. But what a, he's a, We're he's all a way wonderful off. voice. He's oh, a wonderful oh, voice. Phenomenal. And, you know, he came out here to Australia for the Dodgers Nationals when they opened the uh, Major League season last year. I love the quirky little stories and the, the little in-game he's stories that he's got onto something it. something phenomenal. But 67 years, he's that's you and me together, age-wise. Um, Clubby's done beautifully. Mark McGuire is the rookie of home runs with 49. Is the rookie. What? Yes. For a rookie season, phenomenal. Not, Forty-nine not home runs in the rookie season. Not Twenty-six. <laughs> Sorry, Let's, Chris Bryant. I think you're a mile off. He's son. a long way off. Isn't he? <laughs> Let's quickly go through the wild card, and we've got to head to a break. Okie dokie. So in the wild card, uh, we have the Yankees and Texas firmly entrenched. Well, not firmely entrenched because Minnesota are Just only a game, a game and, and a half, half out. Yeah. We've got Angels only three and a half games out. Tampa Bay only four and a half games out. And really, with still a lot of games to go, Cleveland and Baltimore only six or seven games out, there's still a lot of baseball to go there. I think uh, you could draw the line at around Boston. I don't think they've got any chance whatsoever. Well, see, that's a lot, though. That's still six or seven teams that are a possibility to uh, to get in the wild card there, which that's what makes it exciting, isn't Absolutely. it? The wild card. Absolutely, so, yeah. But uh, the Yankees will certainly grab one of those, and Texas could actually win the pennant. 
uh, in, Could in, do. In, in the West. So moving to the uh, wild card in the National League, we have Pittsburgh and the Chicago Cubs a mile out of front. And I think we can safely say that they will both uh, be in the playoffs this year, regardless. I would, I would think so. JC, beautifully done, mate. We're, uh, we're going to head to a break. And uh, after the break, we're going to head straight to Osaka in Japan, where we're on the ground. Our under-18 Aussies. Under-18 Aussies. Doing us very proud. Doing proud over there in Japan at the uh, the current World Cup. We're going to have a chat with uh, Baltimore Orioles international scout, Brett Ward, who's on the ground for us there in Japan. Uh, but we'll be right back after this break. Selix Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enables projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Selix Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selix Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selixrecoatingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. And welcome back to the show. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. We're now going direct to Osaka in Japan where the under-18 Australian team currently performing in the World Cup. And on the phone, we've got the international scout for the Baltimore Orioles. Brett Ward, are you there, mate? Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Doing good, mate. Uh, you're on the ground, as I said there, at the under-18 World Cup. Gee, we started well those first two games against Mexico and Brazil. Uh, had two wins there. How did those two games uh, start off the tournament for the boys? Yeah, that, that was huge. I mean, Mexico and Brazil are pretty good clubs. And uh, they kids just came out, swung their bats well. We had great pitching from firstly Lachlan Wells, who signed with the Twins. And then game two, Alex Wells, his twin brother, went out. And they set the tone for us. The bats have been outstanding. Our defence has been the best I've seen it for an Australian team for a long time. Wow. And they've just played really well. Wardy, Justin Charles here. How are you going? That's the way. Uh, Mexico, see, it looks like a, a good number of them have been fed on plenty of burritos there. Gee, where's their big boys? Uh, they had the first baseman, had him listed at 5 foot 10, 78 kilos. I want that scale, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Geez, there's some fat kids on that team. Um, but, uh, Wardy, uh, what, I, what, what I wanted to, uh, to ask you was. Um, we we caught up at the uh, at the uh, Major League Academy at, in the Gold Coast a, a few weeks ago, and we were watching Canada play Australia. And from my perspective, Australia were playing just a wonderful brand of baseball, hustling, playing the game the right way. And and Canada looked disinterested, or uh, maybe being on the Gold Coast, they were out drinking alcohol and enjoying the sights. But um, certainly. I I'm a little I have to eat a little bit of humble pie because I uh, I thought the way Canada were playing uh, that they would never beat Australia playing like that and so uh, they've come out and had to turn the turn the results around. What actually happened there? Look, Canada are a very good side. I think they flew out and as you know, Justin traveling the other side of the world it takes you two or three days to you know acclimate, get used to the um, you know time zone change and all that. 
Over here, they had the guy, their, their pitcher threw really, really well yesterday. He was high 80s, had a sinker, had a cutter, had a four-seamer, had a slider with the late break, and he really set our players up. But our kids played very well, but coming off the euphoria from the win the night before, which was a, right. was a massive game, they would have been, I mean, everyone in the stands was mentally drained after doing it. When they got ahead of Cuba the night before, Cuba did what they do all the time. They just slowed the game down. They drag it out. Uh, as you know, it just goes on and on with them. Coming off that was a massive win. And then to front up for the early game the next day, I'm not sure if the kids were... They had to be trained. But they still, they still did very well. Don't get me wrong. We had a lot of hard balls, went straight at guys. Canada's balls dropped in, and that was probably the difference. Have we ever beaten Cuba before? Yes, we have a few times. Oh, okay. I think uh, Mr. Siebel, John Diebel, the uh, might have pitched a, a couple of odd wins against Japan and Cuba over the time. That uh, left-hand junk tends to tends to get them. Uh, Wardy, we'll go back a little bit in the in the tournament. Of course, you got. I think I'll just jump to today now. You got South Korea this afternoon. From where the standings are right now, if if games were to fall their way and possibly get a win over South Korea, there's a chance to uh, play off for a bronze medal, isn't there? That's correct, Craig. If we beat South Korea today, who were pistol whipped by um, Japan last night in about seven. Wow. If we win and beat South Korea, the USA beat Canada, which is every chance, then we will be playing for a bronze medal, which is an outstanding effort by the boys. Um, have you you actually broken down the, the game results yourself? I, I did a little bit of homework last night, and the three in a couple of the wins that we've got, we've only thrown two base on balls, but in the games where we've really sort of been spanked, in one of the games, Japan, we threw 10 walks. In the other game versus the United States, we threw 11 walks. Are the pitchers sort of focusing on this area and trying to minimise the amount of base on balls that they're giving up? Uh, I'd say so. I mean, Graham Lloyd's a pitching coach, and if you want to get Lloydy upset, then two boppering hots are free passes. Yeah. But it's really hot and humid here, and I mean, extremely hot and humid. I'm not making excuses to the kids, as Charles has said before, so happy the way they play the game. What they're doing at the academy, they run every ball out, Charlesy. Yeah. They make good plays. Yep. It's just how we want them to play baseball. It's been really, really impressive. They're on the dirt. A few of the fields are just full dirt, that black dirt. Yeah, fields. we've seen that. The mounds are really soft, and you'll see that their front foot slips a little bit. Right. So some of our kids have had trouble adapting to that. And people might think I'm making excuses to the kids. I'm not. But it is a really tough thing when you don't get that front foot in a solid position. Wardy, from a psychological perspective, to me, when you look at results like that, when you see a lot of walks, and then in the games that you win, you're not throwing a lot of walks, to me, could the pitchers probably be thinking they've got to pitch a little more carefully? Uh, they're not trying to leave the ball in the middle of the plate, so they're trying to be a little bit finer and, and not getting the you know not getting the consistent strike or not getting strike one by challenging. Yeah, really good point. That's probably what's happened as well, Justin. Uh, a lot of our kids pitch away from contact in those big games rather than just say, "This is what yeah, I've got." Go. Trust the defense instead of trying to get a little bit too fine. You probably get the nail on the head as well. Just to uh, sort of surmise over this tournament so far, I think the Australian side of things can be really proud of their performance. Getting to, into this super, the super, super group stage now of the top six in the world is a phenomenal performance. Australia, of course, in the men's is ranked 
uh, down around 15 mark, but for these young under-18s to get into the top six, are they seeing that as, as a real uh, a pat on the back, making that top six? Or was the Cuba win a really great moment for the kids? What do you see as maybe the highlight up to this point of the tournament? The whole tournament's been very good. And as Justin said earlier, it started, this probably started 12 months ago when we had a really poor under-21 tournament last year. Uh, Craig Shipley and John Beagle put some things in place. What was expected for Australian teams is all the things Justin spoke about earlier. Uh, in January, the under-18 side went to Auckland and the process started then. And to the kids' credit, they have really, really done everything that's asked of them and they've set new standards of what to expect for Australian sides. Cannot be just everything. Even if they hadn't won a game, the way they had played has been outstanding. Uh, and I, I've got to reiterate, like when I when I saw these kids, it, they looked sharp, and and it was it was more that you couldn't put your finger on it, but they looked uh, focused and and certainly alert. And, and really conscious of what they were doing. And when you play like that, you give yourself every chance of winning, regardless of the talent that you've got in your team. So, But, uh, Wardy, my next question to you is, um, of the kids in the Australian team that haven't signed, is there anyone that's sort of really bobbed up and, and put, their, put their hand up to, uh, to probably get a chance at playing uh, professional baseball? And, um, and also, anyone else that you've seen from any of the other countries that have stood out in your mind? No, in regards to the Australian team, there are a lot of very good players there. Whether they're ready for pro ball yet or whether they should go to college is going to be an argument everyone should have. And that just gets down to the lack of games and lack of at-bats that our kids get. Lack of innings they get to pitch each year. We have spoken about that before at the academy. There's a few kids in other teams that might get signed out of here. In regards to the Australian team, I'm not sure. It's... uh, there's some very good players in that side. Yeah. I'm hoping they all go to college and then get signed pro out of college. Uh, Woody. Yeah, I work for a professional club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't want college at all. Steer clear of that. Doesn't like the word. Uh, Woody, um, today's game, do you happen to know who might be starting for Australia this afternoon versus South Korea? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, one of our horses, Maxi Barrett's, had a little bit of a nothing dangerous or anything, but he's been a bit sick. So if we had to have Maxi going, we'd have been very, very we could have even been favourites. Not sure if Maxi's come back from it yet, so in that regard I don't know who's gonna pitch. Is that is that illness or is it an arm injury? No, no, it's not an arm injury, just an illness. Ah, oh, get him out there. A little bit sick. Get him out there's there. Nothing, nothing wrong with <laughs> Too much sushi. <laughs> not used to the raw fish. Yeah, exactly. What do you like that but now, if Max would have been available, like he two really well the first game against Japan, and he came out with we one run down after five or something, one nil game, which was a great game. Yep. I yes, think he would have done well, but he may not be, uh, you know, may not be well enough to take the field. And it's not an arm injury, it's not a major injury or anything like that. It's uh, just an unfortunate that's, situation. That, that's great for Max, and and we did see that result. Tough loss to take that loss. You know, come out and uh, only you know I think give up one earned run, one or two earned runs against Japan, and uh, come out with the loss. Stiff. No, he's been very good. You know, Wells has been great. Wells, the other Wells has been great. Max was great. Most of our pitches have been really good. 
Our defence has been outstanding. Our heading's been timely. As you said, all the things you spoke about the academy, Charles, they've been doing over here. It's been really impressive to watch them. Put your, put your uh, international uh, scouts hat on for a moment, Brett, with the Baltimore Orioles. You're looking over these other teams as well, of course, Japan and the United States. Do you see any potential major leaguers amongst any of these teams? I think there's probably four or five guys in the US team that would play in the major leagues, to be honest. Japan's got a number of players that will, probably, will definitely play in the NPB over here and then we don't get them a chance to take them for another nine years after they've started their professional career. But, but Japan and USA are the two best teams here. They're both very, very good. And as I said to the kids the other day, you want to start taking notice of who you're playing against in the USA? Because four or five of those kids have been in the big league soon. You can say, I struck him out or <laughs> I let him get them over the fence off me, something like that. Yeah, right. Right. Exciting. Uh, the World Cup, of course, as soon as you play in international tournaments like this, mate, there, there's this Premier 12, which has come up now. Australia played v Canada at the Gold Coast and, and racked up a number of points leading towards the next Premier 12, not the one this year. But is this World Cup also for these Premier 12 world ranking points? Yes, it is. What they'll do with any World Cup or the Premier 12 WBC, they'll double the points. But they give you a set number of points. So the top team, whoever wins it might get 40 points, right. for example, and then just work the way down to position 12. And that's just the, how bad the system is. We'll get a lot more points. Even if we had won this tournament, never lost a game, we would have got probably three times as many points by playing against Canada on the Gold Coast and we would for winning the Under-18 World Cup. Right. <laughs> That's just uh, but, not fathomable, really. No, it's not. And people don't understand the thing. Oh, Australia's dropped down to 12th now, which is about 14th, which isn't reflective of where we are in the world. No, that's we right. We play 500 games a year through all our... Every game that we play in, those points of count. So the European teams can drive for a weekend, play six games... Those six games count. There's not like capped on a certain number of games. So if Italy play a thousand games and get a thousand points, one point a game. If we play three hundred games and get a point per game, three hundred, they sit on the thousand, we sit on three hundred. And there's only so many times you can pound the absolute living daylights out of New Zealand. Well, exactly, and there's a cost factor. So how many times you go back to the parents or the players <laughs> and say we're gonna go over and and uh, want to play New Zealand in a 10-game set. Yep. When you think about it, if we had been able to get two more wins against New Zealand or something like that, or had a, a friendly against them, that puts us into the 11th position. Is, That's how close it was. Is that, is that poor management by, by the, by the uh, Australian baseball management there, by not, or not being able to project and, and uh, see how many potential points that um, were, were going to be available? Or is it just bad luck? Or a bit of both? Oh, you're breaking up, Charles. I can't hear the question. Oh, sorry, mate. Oh, the, the question... <laughs> oh, you smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, righty. I will take that as a yes. You're just yeah, leading him down a no, bad path. Yeah. 
You're leading him down the bad path there, JC. So, Wardy, Wardy, I'll give you a nice safe one, mate. The um, the tournament as a whole, you've set, you've looked at it um, as both just a fan and as a scout. Who do you see is the real one that's going to stamp their authority and take this World Cup out in the under-18s? I think the USA-Japan final, I think. They're the two best teams here. I think it'll be a cracker of a game. Yeah. The way the Japanese play, as you both know, it's yep. not the same as the US way. So Contrasting styles. Yeah, there will be, and there are probably 35,000, 40,000 people at Koshian tomorrow afternoon watching that final. So, I know, I know of, uh, I've watched a bit of it on the stream, and uh, there's, it, it's, the coverage has been really terrific, and uh, the write-ups have been terrific from the World Baseball Softball Council. has been, been uh, tremendous coverage of this tournament. Um, Wardy, we're going to have to wrap it up there, mate. Thanks very much for your time here today. Thanks to the Australian Baseball Alumni, which um, you do a, a fair bit of work on to cover this tournament. If you could want to know anything about this tournament, interviews with some of the players and coaches, go to the Australian Baseball Alumni. You can get all of Wardy's fine work there, mate. Thanks very much for your time today and uh, good luck for the rest of the tournament. Thanks, Wardy. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Justin. Selix Recoating Service specialise in electrostatic painting where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enable projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Selix Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at sellexrecodingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. And welcome back to the show. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. Great uh, little chat there we have with Brett Ward over there in Osaka, Japan. The under-18s currently going around in that World Cup with uh, South Korea this afternoon in the game. Hopefully, if they win that one, they get to a shot at the bronze medal. But Wouldn't that be exciting for the boys? Oh, it'd be, be absolutely fabulous. And, and, and I, you did touch on it there with Wardy. It's even been a real achievement to get to this top six stage in the in the world, um, in this World Cup against these other nations, Japan, USA, you know, Cuba. These are world powers in the game of baseball. We've, we've matched them to get into that top six. And more more than matched them. More than match them yeah. in, in, in a lot of cases. So. Yeah, currently a 4-2 and two record win-loss over the whole tournament. So, you know, they, they, they really have performed well. And according to what uh, Wardy, Brett Ward said for us there, you know, they've really handled themselves professionally right from day one, since even since the academy up there in Queensland and now over there in Japan really doing a fine job under the uh, head manager of Steve Smith, Glenn Williams, the high-performance Director for Baseball Australia's here, Damien Shanahan, is also part of that coaching staff with uh, former New York Yankee Graham Lloyd handling themselves beautifully over in Japan. JC, we're going to move on to some other Aussies that have had a, a little bit of success over the season to this point. And we're going to change up a little bit. We're going to go off the playing field and into the coach's box because... Um, Andy Graham from New South Wales. The Ride Hawks. 
the proud club from, from the Ride Hawks. That's right. Has um, has taken the West Michigan Whitecaps, which is uh, a, a minor league team from the Detroit Tigers, has managed them into the playoffs this year with another with a player from also Australia, Zach Shepherd. We have talked about Zach um, a couple of weeks ago on the show, but Andy Graham, a catcher out of New South Wales. He's represented Australia at World Baseball Classics and the like, but has stepped into the management side of things now and is doing a fine job with uh, West Michigan Whitecaps. It's a wonderful effort, isn't it? And sometimes uh, I guess you're a little bit at the mercy of the the talent that you get handed. Uh, You're not necessarily getting the best talent and and winning is not necessarily the... The, the focus development is and, and to manage a team into the playoffs is just a wonderful effort in professional baseball. Yeah, and so many teams that get around, of course, you know, and, and it, the, the catalyst for it all, the first half of the season, the, uh, the Whitecaps were a 33-36 and 36 win-loss record. So behind the eight ball there, you always want to try and be around 500. It doesn't 500 baseball. In any sport, I've noticed, if you can win half of your games you're going to be pretty close to the finals at the pointy end of the season. Well, 50-50 and you'll you'll probably be like on the cusp and anything over 50%, you, I mean, that's kind of more stating the obvious, but yeah. between that 500-600 win percentage mark, you're going to be playing playoffs. Oh, 600, you are winning the, winning you're the thing. You're on top. Yeah, you're, you're on top and you're winning. So as I say, to me, 500 mark or 50-50 in any sport is, is you're going to be pretty close to the finals uh, or there or thereabouts. So the first half of the season, they were under 500, uh, at, as I said, at 33-36 and 36 win-loss. But the second half of the season... Uh, really come home with a wet sail, 40 wins and 26 losses for that second half of the season. That's good for a 6.06. We're just mentioning that 600 range. Um, that's just over the 600 range and, of course, help them clinch a playoff spot for the uh, West Michigan Whitecaps, affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. And for Andy Graham, that's just going to look wonderful on the resume, if nothing else. Absolutely. There's also We've also got... Um, Collins, Michael Collins is over there with the San Diego Padres in their minor league system as Australian manager as well, part of the Canberra Cavalry, the who won the Asian Cup a couple of years ago. Yeah, tremendous performance by them. Um, but we're also going to look at Zach Shepard. Zach Shepard has uh, just clubbies given me the nods that he's just come back from the seven-day DL or currently on the seven-day DL. But uh, he's played 114 games. There's a lot of games that go into this uh, season. Think about it, 114 games is a, is a hell of a lot of baseball for the same team as Andy Graham there, the Whitecaps. Um, he's on the, as I said, he's on the DL, but his batting average to this point of the season is at 245. And uh, the one key stat that really jumps out at me, he struck out 117 times. So he's played in 114 games, struck out 117 times. It's just over one a game that uh, young Zach Shepard... Well, we don't want to highlight that for the young fella, but uh, where no. does he hail from? He's uh, he's out of Sydney, is he? From he's the, out of Sydney. Strong, Borkham Hills is where... Strong club. Yeah, strong, strong club. club. Real find. Um, we... Uh, made mention earlier. We're talking to Brett Ward. I was thinking Glenn Williams, who I just mentioned, was is a part of the um, Australian Under Eighteen World Cup team. Over there. he signed young Zach Shepherd. He also works for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Kevin Hooker 
is the lead scout over in Perth for the Detroit Tigers. Glenn Williams, Australian high performance, also does some work for the Detroit Tigers. And signed young Zach Shepard. And initially, I actually balked Williams when I spoke to him. I thought, in my very amateurish way, I thought it was a bad signing myself. <laughs> I, I, I did. I sort of questioned his motives and, and what he was about. He's, I've been proved so wrong because uh, young Zach Shepard has developed. His body has really developed. The strikeouts to me, JC, and we've, we've both played little bits, is irrelevant because he's still just a youngster learning his craft, learning his strike zone, developing in his body. And how, so, how old is he? Uh, Zach Shepard would be 20. Okay. At, at, at a pinch, I would say 20, 19, 20. He's only been over in pro ball a couple of years. Um, so to me, it's it's a developing stage of this young man. And we'll see him get better and better, and these strikeout numbers will come down as we go. But Well, uh, some, in fairness um, to, to Zach, uh, something does have to pick up there. Certainly, yeah. certainly the, uh, you know, needs to be... Uh, Although, I mean, getting on just at the 300 clip, so if you can get that up, be getting on base uh, around about that 400 clip yeah. um, at that level. And uh, not necessarily, see, this is the thing too, to advance, you don't necessarily have to be hitting for a high average, but, sure, but sure. making hard outs. So yeah. if he has a hard hit ball average yeah. of around three or 400, then you, you can still advance if you if you um, if your batting average is not quite there because they'll, yeah. they'll look at that and be able to project. So uh, Experienced baseball people, they don't just look at the batting average. There's so many other, you know, if you, if you have a lot of base on balls, a lot of walks, that can be considered as good as a base hit because well, you're getting on base for free. And the thing that they'll look at is your habits, you know, so your habits. So yeah. a lot of walks isn't necessarily good if you're taking good pitches to swing at, but if you'd you know, if that's indicative of uh, you know, you, you know, you know your strike zone, you're learning your strike zone, and that's hard with a young hitter as well. Sure. But if you're in good habits of uh, getting on base and and not swinging at pitches outside the strike zone, well then, and and a high hard hit ball average, um, they can take you on and um, and and sort of persist with you a little bit. And the the good thing for him too as well, he's going to have playoff experience. So oh, absolutely, and that, which, which and is that's what it's all what about. We're just trying to highlight here is a couple of Australians will be heading to the playoffs for the West Michigan Whitecaps in Zach Shepard and Andy Graham. JC, I'm going to take you back to your minor league career, just on that sort of thing. Um, what areas, and, and look at your entire line of numbers, you, what areas do you think you may have been a little deficient in? The, the average is one thing. Um, did, did you personally strike out a lot? Uh, was it uh, was there swings and misses? Did you pick a lot of walks? Because of a guy of your size, you've got a big strike zone. You've got to be really disciplined at the plate. I had, um, I guess, my hard hit ball average and average. See, see what happened for me is I went from playing every day. Yeah. Um. In in rookie ball and and probably hitting over three hundred and and with good power numbers. Yep. Um. And and learning, you know, learning the uh, to to swing and swing for power. Um. But I also made uh, good contact. But I, my average was was up. But my hard hit ball average wasn't necessarily higher than my uh, actual batting average. So hitting around, you know, two eighty or three hundred. But hard hit ball average around around that as well. So um, now that's probably not enough to to advance. Yeah. 
You know, you, you probably need a, at, particularly at that level. At, at that level, you need to be hitting yeah. the ball at a harder, at a, you know, so striking out and making pop ups or rolling over and ground outs too many times. Yeah. Um, and then I went from that to short season single A, mm-hmm. going straight to the bench. Right. So only playing once a week. Right. And so then my results really dropped off. Because it's hard to keep a rhythm going or, or right, get, get right. in a groove if right. you're only playing once a week. Right. And they signed Todd Katie for $2 million or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I, he signed for a high bonus. So he was always going to get more opportunities than me. Yeah. Um, but he struggled. Uh, then he broke his wrist. And then halfway through the short season, then I got my starting job back. And then hit over 300 uh, for the rest of the season with good power numbers. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I was a little bit older too, 24. So I, w- I would have said, um, you know, getting to play every day uh, certainly helps you develop. But you, you need to be showing those signs that, you you know, you're squaring the ball up often. Yeah. Uh, and uh, swinging at good pitches within the strikes. And I felt I was doing that. But probably my hard hit ball average and, and batting average. Yeah. Probably there wasn't a big enough differential between them. Yeah, if, if you like, because one of the real big areas, and it uh, became prevalent maybe maybe five to seven years ago, on base percentage, it really became a big focus of MLB baseball. Once they started to that Moneyball theory, yeah, right, the, the, yeah, the sabermetrics, sabermetrics all rolled into well, this. Yeah. Whereas the highest paid guys were becoming the guys with on base percentage. I think Albert Pujols was at one stage was one of the highest paid because his on base percentage was phenomenal. Now that's whether it's a base hit, whether it's a walk, whether it's a hit pitch ball, uh, whatever it whatever it takes to get on base. Those that on base percentage is a really important stat in baseball. About forty of those on bases were home runs too. <laughs> really, that makes it a little easier, doesn't it? And probably thirty or forty doubles as well. So, you know, those. I mean, I think you know, Albert probably bought more uh, more to the table than Albert. just on. I like your way you call him Albert. <laughs> well, he's he's Latino. He's, that's his name. Is it correct pronunciation? Really, Albert Pujols. Oh, they're very good. Habla español un poquito. Whatever that means. Actions speak louder than words. No, it means just a little bit of Spanish, does it? Just a tiny bit in there. Just a little bit. Uh, Just moving on to, going to gloss over this one as well, Sam Gibbons. I know we've talked Sam Gibbons the past few weeks, but another accolade coming his way just this week. He won minor league star of the week. Of course, he had those two terrific performances. He won pitcher of the week twice in the month just recently and has really been throwing the ball really well for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. He's uh, done a terrific job, of course, Sam Gibbons winning minor league star of the week. And uh, we're just going to take a look at um, in another one that we did cover over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just going to as best I can, try and finalise a lot of these things as we go uh, go along. Australia represented at the Little League World Series uh, last week. We able to give you a final result now. Japan ended up winning that Little League World Series over Pennsylvania. The game was an absolute slugfest. 18-11 final score. Interesting. They are two of the countries that could end up playing off in the under-18 World Championship yes, as well, I'm going to Japan ask, versus the US. I'm going to ask a question here in studio that has a bleedingly obvious answer. If Japan wins the under-18 World Cup, who's the most dominant country on the planet? 
Give me what, something. In a, underage baseball? In, in baseball. In underage baseball? In, any in ba- underage international baseball? Any baseball. There's only one answer, JC. Okay, well, tell me, Craig. Japan. <laughs> Little League World Series. That's if they were – I'm hypothesizing. I think in, ta- in tournament baseball, we're talking. We're talking world, tournament baseball. World Baseball Classic. Tournament baseball. Won it, won it twice. Both times it's been – three times. They've won it each time it's been played. Well, you know, the US hasn't sent their best team every time. You know that. If, if the Yanks aren't sending their best team to the World Baseball Classic, they've got a management problem. Let's come back to that. They, they, they send as they good a team be- as they can get on the park. No, they don't. They send minor, they send minor leaguers to the World Baseball Classic. They've sent minor leaguers in the past to the World Baseball Classic. Double A's and Triple A's, as well as Major League Baseballs, to players. the World Baseball Classic. Of course, they have, and they and they also send a pretty good lineup. It's it's not a bad lineup, but it's not their best. Pretty close to their best. Either or, Japan are the dominant factor in World Baseball. Who who would be who would be the four pitches that you would take away if you had free pick of the US team. Of the US team, Clayton Kershaw. Right, but he chokes in the final, so you wouldn't take him. Mm, that's that's a, 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 a veiled impression. I'd take, I'm going to? I would take him. I would take Zach Grenke because he's 7-0 and this month against the San Francisco Giants, uh, This in his career against the San Francisco Giants. I would, uh, I would seriously consider... Scherzer? Uh, uh, Max Scherzer is one that I would consider. There's a lot of guys I might consider, and I would... Arietta, I would probably take Araldos Chapman would be my other. But he's not American. Oh, okay, okay. So they have to be absolutely US. I'll uh, I'll take uh, Matt Harvey. Can I do that? Yeah. We're moving on anyway. Just last little couple of notes. We're in, in some house duties we've got to get to here. JC, Baseball Victoria is looking for a new CEO. Anybody who thinks they're qualified. What are you doing this summer? Me, I'm bitter and twisted against <laughs> all of them. You know, so <laughs> so Neil Price has resigned uh, oh. from the position at Baseball Victoria. So they uh, they will be okay. uh, looking for expressions of interest over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Neil Price was there for mm, about two years, I, I think, on or about. Okay, uh, but Neil has stepped down, so there'll be a, a position available there for anybody interested at Baseball Victoria. Wow. And I think that's about us done. Is that us done? We're getting a wind-up here, JC. I think we're getting a wind-up, but I'm really excited because uh, we're in full pre-season mode for summer. The Werribee Giants, we're looking great. All our uh, all our recruits are being cleared from the respective clubs. We've got a Venezuelan Names? input coming out. Um, yeah, I can now. I can announce we have uh, Josh Lee from, from Williamstown. He got okay, cleared. Cool. And uh, Charles Thompson uh, from the Baycats. Yep. And we have our Venezuelan import, Jose Ruiz, yep. uh, coming this week. And so also, really exciting. Just on the Baycats also, Nathan Holmes has taken over as president down there. You mentioned uh, he Nathan has. Holmes in, he has. in one of the breaks before. He's he has. Taken... That's a great move for them. Uh, Absolutely. Millsy, uh, Rob Mills stepping down from there, uh, had, having done a wonderful job there. Um, Phantom of the Opera, Rob Mills? No. No. Uh, it's, uh, no? It's not Rob Mills. No? It's... Um, Oh, anyway, we're getting a big wind up here. Clubby's Millsy, onto us. I love you, Millsy. Clubby's onto us. We, we've got to get done here. Um, thanks very much for joining us this week. Uh, you're listening to SEN's MLB podcast, and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au.
To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.